0: Welcome in. It's the Mostly Magic Podcast. Dick Chapman here with you. It is Friday, March 3rd, and the Magic wrapping up a road trip, a loss Wednesday night in Milwaukee. It'll be Charlotte tonight, and then home for four. It'll be Portland Inn on Sunday night. That'll be a 7 o'clock tip tonight in Charlotte, and then a 6 o'clock tip on Sunday. going to talk a little draft. We've been so wrapped up in the race for the play-in tournament, and the Magic... Uh, recovering from that 5-20 and 20 start to the season. Of course, Paolo Benquero, Franz Wagner, all kinds of fun stuff. But uh, the Magic have two potentially very high picks in the draft coming up here. They still own Chicago's pick. Uh, And as of right now, it'll be the fifth and the eighth pick in the draft is where they would slot in the lottery. So to uh, get us a little bit ready for draft season for college basketball going into most important and uh, the most fun time, certainly of the year for that sport is Matt Babcock from Draft Digest. And he's on Twitter at Matt Babcock 11, senior NBA draft analyst for Draft Digest. He has also hosted the Matt Babcock show on YouTube, which is presented by title league and a return guest to the mostly magic podcast. Matt, I appreciate you taking the time. How are you?
1: Hey, Jake, I'm doing well. Uh, thanks. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for stopping by. Um, fun time of year. Um, I won't waste any more time. Let's just dive in the relative strength of this year's draft class. Um, what are you seeing? Obviously, I think everybody knows the guys at the top, but um, top to bottom one through 60. What, what does it feel like as, as far as a. Uh, Compared to years past.
1: Yeah. I mean, this, this is an exciting draft to I me, mean, especially at the top. I mean, and not even just, you know, talking about Victor Wembanyama and Scoot Henderson. I think, uh, I think the lottery uh, as a whole is pretty good. Uh, the, the overall depth, uh, it might be lacking a little bit. And, and, you know, time will tell as well, because with NIL in the college space, uh, you know, really kind of ramping up. Uh, I, I could see a number of guys that in years past might, might've decided to, to stay in the draft and might go back to school. So we'll, we'll see who's actually actually going to be in it that, that you know, kind of pad kind of those stats, if you will, uh, you know, regarding the depth.
0: I know you spent time with Overtime Elite. I want to go through some of the top prospects, but just tell me kind of how the, the new world with NIL, potentially the one and done rule um, being lifted soon. We know what the G League, I think, brings, but something like Overtime Elite for somebody who doesn't necessarily understand exactly what it is and kind of the trend that it might represent. Can you sort of walk us through that?
1: Yeah, sure. So it's uh, it's changed a little bit since it first started. You know, At first, they were signing players um, in high school to professional contracts uh, to where, uh, you know, pretty much they'd have to give up uh, relinquish their, their college eligibility. So would be on a pro path uh, since they first started a couple of years ago. Uh, they've now done it where they're able to sign players um, and, and kind of set up more of like a scholarship uh, and do like an NIL deal, so they are able to, uh, you know, uh, retain their college eligibility. Uh, however, this first group of guys they signed are are in that that pro category. So the uh, Amen and Asar Thompson uh, specifically are are going to be in this year's draft. Uh, they've been at overtime league for for a couple of years.
0: What have you heard? Is there, you know from I guess old timers, scouts, NBA front office types? Is there hesitancy to? um to that path and maybe to being able to scout these guys, or do people feel like they have a pretty good grasp based on all the other things that, that, that go into developing a profile?
1: Well, I think there's like two ways of looking at it with overtime elite. It, you know, it's got a lot of money behind it. So the, the resources for development are great. They got yeah. high level coaches, Kevin, Ollie's the the head coach there uh, kind of kind of overseen all of the different coaches on the different teams they have under, under that umbrella. Uh The, the game's, you know, there, there's some, there's some debate there, you know, it's, it's somewhat of a, you know, a, a show, if you will I mean, they, they had, I was there a few weeks ago and they had smoke sh- machines going, they got lights going, they got MC the whole game. It's uh, it's definitely entertainment and built for the cameras and, and uh, to create content. Um, but, you know, I, I, I feel like personally I'm able to go there and, and, you know, these kids are playing hard. I'm able to get what I need from a scouting perspective.
0: Yeah, you've seen Midnight Madness. I mean, I'm sure it's not too far different right. than that, but um, but it is. It's interesting, and I do think it represents a bit of a paradigm shift. Um, we'll get to the Thompson twins because I definitely want to talk about those guys. Let's just start at the top. Victor Wembanyama is as good a prospect since who?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, everybody says LeBron. I mean, he's definitely the most unique. You know, you know, I mean, there's really not not players that you can. Uh, you know, compare him to uh, real closely. I mean, you know, he's a little bit like Chet Holmgren from last year. But I mean, this guy's seven foot four, seven foot five, eight foot wingspan. So even though they're they're somewhat similar, it's just a whole nother level of of, of unique prospect just because of his size and, and skill level.
0: Tell me about Scoot Henderson.
1: Uh on ball creator, uh, total killer instinct type type of guy. I've, I've known him for a couple years. His family uh, invite me out. They they have a gym in Marietta, Georgia me out when he was 16 years old to check him out and I got a chance to meet him. And uh he, he blew me away back then, just just with his approach. Just uh, you know, really kind of one of these Kobe Bryant, Damian Lillard type type of uh laser focused competitors. Uh and you know, he, I learned that he was doing two, three day workouts uh uh, you know, back then. And so I think he's just very wired uh to be a great NBA player. You know, he's six two, six three, very physical and explosive, uh kind of in the mold of like uh like a Derrick Rose in his prime, where where he's just always coming at you off the dribble, uh, yeah. So you know, with those two specifically, I mean that that just makes it an exciting draft by itself.
0: He'd be he'd be the top pick in many many years, right? Like almost eight out of ten years, probably.
1: Yeah, I mean I I haven't broken it down that specifically, but yeah, something like that would would, would make sense, or he would at least have been in the mix. Is there anything just
0: because you know you don't hear anything really negative about him? Is there anything potentially in the next few months that? You might hear about Victor that makes that a little bit more of a question between one and two, or is he just com- firmly entrenched as the top pick?
1: Yeah, I think the only thing that that would happen uh, that that could potentially you know risk him not going number one would be if something popped up uh, medically. Yeah, um, I, I haven't heard anything like that, but that's that's the only thing I could see. I, I think Victor. Uh, even though it is somewhat of a one A one B type type of draft this year, I think Victor solidified himself as as that number one guy. Right
0: when the one A is 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 that type of one A, then, then it right. can be a one B and still a pretty impressive prospect. Yeah, because Scoot, I mean, everything you hear about him, every time you watch him, it's like holy smokes, um, this guy could be really really special. It's just uh, it's just the timing as it goes sometimes know we don't need to get into what happened with Brandon Miller, but tell me about what you're hearing about whether or not you think it'll impact his uh, his draft status.
1: Yeah, I mean my impression right now is that that it will not. I mean for the fact that he he you know even though his name was attached to this and him not being charged with anything and uh, you know his attorneys coming out you know pretty much uh, painting this picture that maybe he was uh, a lot more innocent from an ethical standpoint than it initially seemed. Uh, I'm, I'm operating with, with that assumption, um, you know, and te- teams are going to hire private investigators to dig on, on these high lottery picks, uh, regardless if they're involved in, a, in, a, in a, a case like this or not. So, I mean, these teams will get to the bottom of it one way or another, but um, like I said, my, my impression is that this is not, not going to be uh, something that lingers uh, for him.
0: Okay, I'm not sure exactly how to approach the rest of this because I want to get into all these guys that are sort of like the rest. Like, I'm pretty sure, you know, unless something else sort of develops as far as that story goes, Miller will likely be the third pick. It seems like it, anyways. Is that do you think that's a reasonable assumption or do you think there could be some? Um, some uh, I, movement think, I think there?
1: I'm, in, I'm in Thompson's right there, too. Uh, yeah. I, I think, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I would. I'd be open for for debate. You know which player w- would hold more value. Uh, I, I like both of them, uh, but they're 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 close for me.
0: So tell me about them. Shooting is the shooting is the big question. They're just it, it sounds like they're just fantastic athletes.
1: Yeah, I mean you know Olympic level athletes. They're both about six foot seven and uh, just just well rounded athletes, well rounded players. I mean they do a little bit of everything. Outside shooting is definitely their swing skill. They're they're just not natural pure shooters. Uh, but, you know, I've got a chance to know them pretty well now. And w- wired the right way, good kids that are driven and uh, gym rats. And so I, you know, every indicator that I've seen uh, suggests that they they will continue improving. So I, I think they'll get to a point with their outside shooting uh, to where, you know, maybe they're not, you know, necessarily snipers, but, um, you know, it's not not a liability either
0: how would you compare what, what kind of players do you think those guys look like sean livingston is one that i keep hearing is that is that right
1: yeah so so much more athletic than sean livingston i mean these kids um you know are, are really uh, developed a lot of upper body strength and overall strength i mean i, I was blown away watching them work out a couple weeks ago of how, how much uh, how much the you know uh, production they've had from from the weight room and uh yeah, so just total, total studs, but yeah, bigger, bigger, versatile guys like Sean Livingston, maybe a little bit like a, a Paul George type, um, mm. a l- little bit more point guard to him.
0: It's funny because I see, I see George and Miller uh, and, and maybe, I, maybe I'm thinking of the finished version of Paul George a little bit more so, but um, I mean, Miller, just that jumper is so smooth and to see it come from a, a guy that framed, there's just not a lot of guys with that kind of touch.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, Brandon Miller is pretty much a shooter. I mean, six, eight, six, nine. He's able to do some stuff off the floor, which, which uh, would suggest the comparison to Paul George. Uh, and, and the comparison of Paul George with the Thompsons it's just more of just like a big do it all kind of guy. I mean, right. honestly, another example or a comparison would be sort of like a Scotty Pippen uh, with, with mm. the Thompson twins. You know, just, uh, you know, w- what position are they? Like, I, I don't know. They're a one, two, three, uh, defends everybody. Uh, can you know initiate the break be a point guard if you need him to be creates off the dribble and just super athletic so yeah just uh you know the Paul George thing not not like a real close comparison but uh just sort of a big big do-it-all type type of player
0: yeah see those are interesting though because I, I think people recoil in 2023 when you say shooting is is the, the swing skill or the thing that they need to work on most but there's a whole bunch of other things that you can do offensively you know you're not you're not Michael Kidd Gilchrist you know uh uh unless you can't dribble and can't really pass either right like right, i right. mean there's you can create a lot of different ways um and and i do think i mean gosh, you look around and there's so much good perimeter shooting there's room in this league for mediocre or like mid-level perimeter shooting probably um as well so where so where do you go after that like i i'm fascinated by both kids at arkansas i think that team is a beautiful mess. Every time I watch them, I love Eric Musselman, but they just haven't figured out like who's who, who should have the ball in his hands at what point. And I think that's um that's just kind of what happens sometimes when you have a whole lot of really talented guys, where do you go next? What do you expect to be? Let's say the magic, for instance, Um, I'll give you a hypothetical, you know, our core, and, and we've got the forward spots I would think pretty well figured out. Um, Shooting is probably something that we're looking for and we'll see what, um, the rest of the positions around those forwards look like moving forward. but let's say you're sitting there at five and uh let's say Miller and one of the Thompsons have come off the bar. do you think the magic would look towards the other Thompson or who do you think would be in the mix there anyways?
1: yeah, I think I think uh, a Sar would be in the mix. I'm, I'm I have a man slightly ahead of him,, uh, but it's not too far off and then they're similar players. I think a would fit fit with the magic have going on because he's he's big and he's versatile because they, they've got a lot of even though they're not. Uh, even close to be a you know fully finished product with all of their young guys uh, they, they have a lot of young players and uh they need to you know kind of worry about not not creating log jams and and, and having guys you know that, that they hope can continue to develop and when they do can coexist with one another right So I like asar Thompson as an option. Uh, I think they could look at Cam Whitmore Jarus Walker Walker Walker's sort of like an undersized four or five uh, so I think with Paulo and he, you know he's a guy that could play with Paulo could play with Wendell. Um, play a full bowl, you know, full bowl ends up, you know, sticking around long-term. And then, you know, I think they need to ask themselves the questions, like how committed are they to their guards? Obviously they got the three-headed monster with Fultz, uh, Cole Anthony, and uh, uh, Suggs. And so does that take them out of looking at a guy like Nick Smith or Keontae George or Kason Wallace? Um, I don't know, but they they definitely have a big group of guys that are all kind of, uh, you know, pretty close as far as how much value they serve to the draft. Um, it, it should should be interesting, especially with them having the, those two picks.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're you're almost at the point where you don't want to get too much younger. And you mentioned log jams. I mean, there, there are guys right now who, you know, Chumo Keke comes back off an injury and he's on the outside looking in. Cole Anthony's coming off the bench. So it's already kind of at that point. You probably want to add some veterans. You probably want to think about, you know, for instance, a replacement for Gary Harris perimeter shooting is really a huge issue and i would think like let's say you were able to just take your 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 best pick out of um a lot of those guys that'll be lottery guys let's just say even short of the top two miller's probably the ideal guy there as far as the shooting goes but who are the best shooters um out of a few of the guys that you just named and as you go through kind of you know, number four through 14 or something on most guys' lists. I know Grady Dick is a guy that's got a lot of attention, but I'm sure there are plenty of others.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean Brandon Miller, for sure. Grady Dick is, uh, I mean, he's an absolute sniper. I mean, he's six, eight, uh, you know, pretty tough, confident kid that I think could step in the NBA. And he's kind of got that fearlessness that I, I think he's going to have some confidence, to, uh, enough confidence to what, uh, to hit shots. Um, you know, I, I don't know if, if, if where they're going to picking. might be, a you know, might be a little too high for him. Uh, Another guy, Keontae George at Baylor, sort of a big combo guard. Uh, He's an outside shooter and a great score. They could look at him. um, And then I I think the other shooters in the draft are are kind of, you know, behind a little bit. Probably wouldn't be that that mid-lottery range. Will you tell
0: me about – let's go back to Arkansas because I I just love watching that team. Anthony Black is such an interesting – I always fall in love with guys like Anthony Black. Um, I think and I, I watch that team and I go give, give him the ball and let him grow and develop and he's just not getting that opportunity because of some of the other guys they have there but what kind of prospect is he um, in your mind and is he is it difficult to gauge exactly what type of player he is because he's you know right now he's playing with Nick Smith but then also you know council dominates the ball I mean they've just got a lot of guys who kind of need to eat there
1: yeah, I think with Anthony Black, I mean, sort of how I was describing the Thompson twins, he he's kind of in the same mold. He's not nearly as athletic as those kids, but he he's got great size. I mean, he's at least six seven, and yeah, uh, sort of sort of a do it all jack of all trades player. I mean, they you know they played him at point guard quite a bit this year uh, with Nick Smith battling injuries, uh, which I thought was interesting. I, I don't think he's a natural true point guard, uh, but I mean, he, he looked comfortable with the ball in his hands and being a primary ball handler, and, um, and he's just kind of one of those guys that I think you kind of plug him where. Uh, I mean, you know, definitely could be a guy, the magic we're, we're to look at uh, pro- probably with that second pick they have. Um, but yeah, I mean, sort of what I mentioned as far as finding guys that can coexist. Anthony Black is like a perfect uh, piece that kind of provide lineup flexibility because he essentially could play with with everybody.
0: Heading into March, who are a few guys that you have kind of in the back of your head that are uh, your, your best kept secrets? Who are guys are going to be talking about maybe rising up draft boards? Over the course, of you the know, I think it's
1: years. uh, it's probably going to be you know, freshmen that that are on some of the good teams. I mean, obviously, you know, a guy like Brandon Miller already has a lot of hype, but I think he's going to really establish it himself. I mean, he's he's really been terrific, you know, from the beginning of the season till now, and so I think you know, on a on a bigger stage, uh, he, his name is going to get get established. Um, uh, we, we mentioned Grady Dick. I, I think Kansas is poised to make a run, and uh, I, I think he's uh, I think he's tough enough to kind of show up with the bright lights, uh, you know, on them. And um, those two guys that come to mind, I think Marcus Sasser at Houston, you know, freshman, uh, I, I think he's a guy uh, probably makes some waves and get get a little bit more of attention with that team, you know, have, essentially having been dominant this year at Houston.
0: Um, I wanted to ask you about a, a few guys that I'm sure are sort of afterthoughts as far as draft. Um, placement goes, but that are very good college basketball players. Uh, let's start with uh, Zach Eady. I mean, he's probably going to be the player of the year seven. You can't teach seven four, right? Uh, and I'm sure there are a lot of concerns about how he defends at the next level, but uh, somebody will give him a look, right?
1: Yeah, I would think he'll, he'll get he'll get a look. Um, you know, and he's an interesting guy to to discuss because he's so dominant at the college level, and, and uh, you know, it's a, it's a great example of like the differences between college basketball in the NBA right now, which is essentially a, a totally different game. And yes. so uh, with him being, you know, such a powerhouse at Purdue, you know, I, in the NBA, I mean, defensively, I, I think he could kind of get lost in the shuffle of a spread out, you know, fast game. Cause I mean, he's, he's big, powerful and, and you know, a, a force to be reckoned with, but uh, still can't deny that he, he's a, he's a big bodied kind of slow footed big man. Right. And uh, th- those kind of guys are somewhat of a dying breed. So it should be interesting to see if he, if he's able to kind of break through, but, um, you know, I, I certainly have my questions. I think you know a number of NBA teams would, would probably share that that sentiment.
0: What about Drew Timmy? I, I I could definitely see a world where somebody throws a second round pick on Drew Timmy and then is actually impressed because he is not as quote you know plotting. I I would say, Um, and maybe that's a, a rough word for Edie. I don't want to I don't, I don't want to tear <laughs> the kid down. But Timmy is Timmy is actually kind of light on his feet. I think probably there's a reason he's played. Eighteen years in, in Spokane <laughs> or whatever, um, but I but I don't know. I it, stranger things have happened than a, than a guy like Drew Timmy playing, you know, eight years in the NBA.
1: You know, I mean, he falls in the same category to a certain extent of, of being like a you know mostly a low post scorer, but he is skilled. I, I don't think he'll be a a very good player in the NBA, but I yeah. mean, it's it's not. I, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't think he'll be a total liability either. I think the big question with him is, can he adapt his game to fitting the modern NBA a little bit? And I, I personally think he, he can, I mean, he's so skilled. Uh, I, I do think he could, you know, sort of uh, evolve his game to being a little bit more face up, you know, shooting the ball a little bit more uh, just the college level. I mean, he's just so dominant as a, as a low post scorer. I mean, I feel like I'm watching Kevin McHale out there sometimes, you know, and um it's just it's not you know again the the game and the NBA level is just not played like that as much as it, as it was before.
0: Different players, but I watched Mo Wagner go from essentially out of the league to 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 making himself. Um, he's gonna he's gonna make a lot of money, and hopefully it's here in Central Florida. And it took him doing exactly what you just said, learning how to set screens and pop and knock down shots from the perimeter and space the floor, and then move your feet on defense. He's always been able to do that. No, if you can defend pick and roll or dribble handoff in this league, um, there's a place for you, and, and and a lot of times it can take you a few years, a, a few years to get to that point. But if you got feet that move, um, then uh, and some size, and they'll find a spot for you. Last guy, how about Jalen Wilson at Kansas? Uh, great college career, obviously, but you know another guy I think probably kind of a, a mid level grade I would think, and that's why he keeps going back.
1: Yeah, and I, I like Jay. I got a chance to spend some time with him this past summer at uh, Damian Lillard's uh, Formula Zero. And, uh, yeah, I r- really enjoyed him. And he, you know, came back, you know, this year and uh, re- really grew in every every way. I uh, just, you know, I was at that first game. Um, how was it? It was in uh, Indianapolis. Or it was early in the season. And, um, yeah, he just seemed like he matured all the way around. I mean, total leader of that team, real assertive, playing confident, uh, and I think he he does fit the, the the NBA level well as far as just being you know sort of a hybrid forward, uh, versatile. He can put the ball in the floor a little bit. He shoots it you know a little bit, and he's just tough. And uh, I I do think I do think he's got, he's got a chance probably be like a late first round pick, but you know if not probably a solid second. But uh, I I do think he'll find a way of kind of climb his way in.
0: Last thing, where do you stand on and, and I know you've got. um oh a a lot of guys in front offices like do you think it's kind of changing a little bit just the idea that oh he's a 23 year old he's a finished product like for some teams that's the best case scenario is to have a guy come in and be able to help you right away on the rookie salaries uh scale and and you don't have to dump in two three years of development um you know sometimes a, a fifth year senior isn't the worst thing in the world right
1: yeah, no, I mean, I think it's definitely two different approaches, and and I think it needs to be somewhat of a case by case deal, like what what each team has in place, what they're trying to do, uh, and then what what players are available. I mean, if you're looking at a guy that's ready to go, you know, it's really just kind of you know kind of juggling out juggling out the variables, and uh, I mean, I do believe in the the concept that a younger player naturally does possess more upside, uh, but it doesn't mean you always just go with the younger player. It Really needs to be you know look at every player, every single player is its own unique investment, really. Sure. Um... Uh, let the people know where they can find all your stuff. Yeah, so I just uh, moved over to Draft Digest, which is a channel uh, of of Sports Illustrated and Fan Nation. Uh, we're gonna be launching Draft Digest Pro. It's gonna be uh, premium content, all of my stuff, rank you know, rankings, mock draft, big board, uh, written written content. Um, and then uh, you find me my podcast, the Matt Babcock Show, uh, which is on all the uh, different platforms wh- wherever you like to get your get your podcast. Uh, and then find me on social media, uh, Twitter and Instagram. It's the same name, at Babcock 11
0: Great stuff. We appreciate the time, as always. Busy time of year, I know. But uh, keep pumping it out, and we'll keep reading it, listening to it, and uh, promoting it. So I appreciate you.
1: No, th- th- thanks a lot. I appreciate you, Ian, you, you having me.
0: All right, absolutely. There he is, Matt Babcock. Jake Chapman here with you. It's the Mostly Magic podcast. We'll be back next week with another edition. Talk to you then.